Welcome to Psych in Reality with Dr. T and Dr. P. I'm Dr. T, a licensed clinical psychologist in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Dr. P, a professor of psychology in Ventura, California. Welcome and thank you for joining us. The purpose of this podcast is to bridge our love of all things psychology with our love of all things reality television. Starting out for our first podcast, we're going to recap the newest season of 90 Day Fiance, The Other Way. All right, so welcome back. So um, let's just jump right on in. So this week, we're going to start off with Devin and Jihoon. And last week when I saw the episode, I was really um, sort of over this couple. I think they just have a lot of issues going on. And they did not disappoint this week because things really continued to sort of escalate between Devin and Jihoon. So they started out the episode where Devin is at the market with the kids and her mom and they're, you know, exploring um, South Korea. Um, she's buying some things at the market and she's really, you know, proud of herself because she at least knows a little bit um, of Korean to sort of communicate. But then she starts to have some difficulties uh, with the language. Obviously, she can't, um, you know, speak the language fluently and, and read it. And so they got ready to go, I think, buy some lunch or buy some food. And the menu was all in um, Korean. And she tried to pull out the translator to order something and that did not work out the best because what they got, um, at least her mom was not, you know, really pleased about it. And she was like, you know, in her in her diary interview, talking about when you can't read something, oftentimes you can sort of point and pray. Um, and mm-hmm. hopefully that thing sort of work out. And um, that wasn't, you know, the best choice for them today because she was like, she didn't really like exotic food. And um, I don't really blame her because I'm not really as adventurous uh, with, with my food. Yeah, I don't know how I would feel about, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I feel, I feel that um, there are tasty critters out there. I just have not developed a taste for little bugs and critters yet. So I think I would be hesitant as well. But yeah, I think the idea of like the idea of textures for me with stuff like is I my little uh, behaviors come out when it comes to textures around food that I just I can't really trust things that I, I don't they don't look good. I'm not really w- willing to try them. Um, but they start to talk, you know, as they're eating or exploring eating this food. And her mom asked Devin, you know, how does she feel things are going so far? And um, she really, you know, G- Devin opens up about Jihoon and, and that she really doesn't, you know, trust what he's talking about. And she really wants to have a conversation um, before she decides to, you know, to, to, take the money that she does have left and go back, you know, to the mm-hmm. States. Um, and she was hoping that, you know, his mom, you know, could be involved in, in the conversation as well. And so later on that night, apparently she sits down with um, Devin and his parents, I'm sorry, Jihoon and his parents um, to talk about, you know, the money situation and, um, you know, why he put the money in his mom's bank account. And when she arrives there, you know, um, his parent, Jihoon and his parents are having a conversation. Um, mm-hmm. He's worried, obviously, about, you know, how Devin may sort of react and that she may sort of leave, um, you know, to go back to the States. And and his mom, as sort of Devin mentioned, doesn't at least come off as really welcoming to Devin. And so she's sort of like, well, why can't she just sort of, you know, take, take it for what it is in yeah. terms of him giving her the money? 
Um, but his dad, you know, seems to be um, trying to welcome her and make her feel comfortable and, and, and things like that. So when Devin gets to the restaurant, I was really surprised because um, Jihoon just like walks out and he comes back actually with food, but he doesn't acknowledge Devin. He doesn't help her with the, with the baby. Yeah. He goes back and, and passes her up. And, and then his dad, of course, like he's trying to welcome her. So he, you know, makes her feel welcome and, and helps with the baby and things like that. But then the conversation escalated really quickly when mm-hmm. um, Devin was trying to like understand this money situation. And she pulls out the translator, which we know is maybe not the, the best thing since it hasn't been as reliable. Uh, but that quickly changed when um, sort of Devin was asking about, you know, why is his parents taking responsibility? And um, Jihoon gets the translator and tries to like, communicate that you know he he's sorry for 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 making a mistake and that he's going to do better but then the translator tells us that you know i'm going to waste the money again i'm going to make another mistake which sort of like spiraled at least he knew at least he understood that it was translating wrong can you imagine if he just kept going and thinking that it was translating correctly exactly and that really you know it got him more frustrated and upset, you know, too. And his mom, like, again, like she, I don't know, mom is interesting because mm-hmm. she obviously wants to like be on her son's side, which I think most parents would. Uh, but I, I also like agree with Devin that um, she sort of isn't taking the situation maybe as serious. And so like there's some laughter when um, mm-hmm. the translator translates this thing incorrectly. Um, and ultimately the conversation ended with, Devin expressing that she felt like she was being tricked and scammed um, by Jihoon. And, and he gets upset, you know, because of the conversation escalating and, and the translator not working. And so he sort of storms off and it's like, you know, just go back, you know, to the, mm-hmm. to the United States. And so I don't really know where this relationship is going to go. I, I, as I said, I think it's, I think it's done like game over, as he said, you know, a couple of episodes back. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that was interesting to me, and maybe I heard it differently in this episode than in previous episodes, but Jihoon was trying to get across that, yes, he had given his mother the money, the money that he was making, but that it was so that they had something for when she came to South Korea. Right. Not so that he could hide the money from her or anything like that, which is kind of what... Devin is making it seem that he was kind of trying to keep his own money and have her spend her money. And so that just wasn't able to come. I I heard it differently this time. So, and I do think that was something that would have been helpful for Devin to hear. Um, But yeah. And the parent. I think think part of the problem though was that she's given him a lot of credit about being responsible. And clearly he's not you know, responsible. Mm-hmm. And so I think that sort of disconnect for them is really what's leading them to have these continued like communication failures, which is ultimately leading to the like the demise of their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And Jihoon's father should get an award for the most reasonable person at the table. He was <laughs> he was he wasn't only just apologizing for his son, he was apologizing for being the parent of Jihoon. He was he was really taking responsibility and saying, you know, Jihoon make this right as opposed to his mom. That was, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of smiling in the background. Oh, there's a co-host again. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And I, I definitely noticed that, you know, dad was really trying to like encourage, you know, Jihoon to like, you need to really say this to like, let her know, like, what are the facts and why have I made these decisions as opposed to him really just sort of getting angry and frustrated and not really being able to clearly communicate, you know, what he wanted to tell her in terms of like, I apologize for making these mistakes and I'm really going to, you know, work to do better. Um, but all of that got lost, you know, once he sort of let his, his frustration and emotions take over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, moving along to other people that have issues communicating, let's talk about Tim and Melissa. Mm -hmm. So, all right. I, Again, this is not my most favorite couple. I find them slightly boring, um, but nonetheless, we will continue with them. I think it was just a fact that they came in so late. It's hard for me to care that much about them in this, the whole realm, but we'll see. So Tim finally, Tim and his cat finally land in Colombia, and we already hear Melisa uh, driving on her way to pick him up, and she's having some doubts about being able to trust him again and what's that going to be like. But they see each other. They actually look happy to see each other. She's happy to see the cat. She brought along two dogs as well. And so they all, you know, seemed happy to see each other and kind of piled into a very small car for, for Tim. Um, one of the things that I thought was just a, um, a funny shady comment that Melisa made was that she noticed that uh, Tim had gained a bit of weight. Mm -hmm. um, I will stand for Tim. Tim, you know, he's husky. It's, I mean, you know, he has a nice shape. But I, but so I, I also didn't like, but I, I didn't, I, I also didn't think that it was like really shady. I mean, I think he, he made the con, he brought it up first. Um, she didn't mm -hmm. say it to him, but I, I can see how, what you're saying about like with her, you know, diary that it could have, once he sees this episode, like he might, you know, take it another way. But I was also wondering about how that um, might impact their like physical attraction at this point, given, yeah. you know, they haven't seen each other in a long time and, and, you know, he has put on some weight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, she has her guard up, you know, which is natural because he just got there and kind of were wondering how long is that going to last. So then we see them on day two, Mind you, it is only day two, and they're exploring the city. Um, Tim is having the realization that he is not just exploring the city as a visitor, but that this is actually where he's going to live, so that's hitting him. And they sit down and start talking as they're eating, and Melisa immediately had questions about what happened with regards mm -hmm. to him cheating. Again, this is day two of him being in the country and we're already talking about this. But it, it was interesting because Tim kind of, up until this point, I feel like the audience was led to believe that yes, he cheated, but he told her all about it and now she's hung up on it and he just wants to move on. Yeah, but I also, not to cut you off, I also think uh -huh. that um, it was a little bit clear before he left when he was meeting with this therapist that he had not fully communicated to her mm -hmm. about that, you know, the, the timeline of what happened. And so I think that this episode really highlighted um, Melissa's perspective in terms of like, there are still a lot of un unanswered questions that he's been trying to really maybe avoid um, in terms mm -hmm. of what happened. 
Yeah. And you can tell he was trying to avoid it as he was talking because as she's asking him, well, what happened? You know, how did you connect with her? He makes a comment that he had invited this woman who he, I guess he works with mm -hmm. over to his house and he didn't know what was going to happen. I call BS on it. Melissa called BS on it that he knew exactly what he was doing when he invited her to come over to his house. And so I felt like that was, you know, uh, he was trying to have a little trickery there. But, but can, I, can I, can I, I, Are you going to defend him? If I'm you don't not defend him, no, you defend can't. him. What I want to say is that why, even if you had no intentions though, would you invite this person over given that you were in a committed relationship and you hadn't like, I'm assuming that he hadn't told Melissa that, Oh, I'm going to hang out with, you know, this coworker who's a female because she probably would have had, issues about it and so I think like if there were no malicious you know intentions that he should have been able to like communicate you know that to her which again like again feeds mm -hmm. into you know both your and Melissa's sort of um perspective about like he knew you know what his his plans may have potentially led up to even if it wasn't that night that's some somewhere down the road that he might give into these urges so to speak as he has he yeah did. yeah yeah because he talked about the urges talked about her being away now, what I did not appreciate about Tim and what I don't, you know, he's now getting on my, my negative list is that I felt like he tried to gaslight Melisa mm. because he, he went into this whole, well, you know, every time I was trying to be honest with you, you would leave me or break up with me. And so that's why he didn't tell her that he cheated on her. To which... It has nothing to do with her. She should have the right. If he cheated on her, she should know. And if she decides to break up with him, that's her choice. But yeah. don't take away that choice from her at all. And then we come to find out that she found out about it. He hadn't planned on telling her about anything. Right. Tim is a liar. He is in my negative list. Yeah. And, right I, and I, I, I think I've probably said this before. I think they are going to have a really hard time recovering mm -hmm. from this infidelity. And... Um, Again, like when you when you are in situations where infidelity occurs, that to move past that affair, and we talked about this last week about you know it's easier to cut somebody off if you don't have some sort of um, relationship or friendship with them outside of just like you know coworkers or someone who you may have limited contact with. Um, but you have to be prepared to disclose everything about you know, how it, what led up to it and, and what happened. And I think that's the piece that the therapist is really trying to get him to understand before mm -hmm. he left, you know, Texas is that you got to be honest with her. And this is, is coming back again, where he's not being fully honest. And I think that's going to, that's not going to help her to gain trust in him because he's not being, you know, completely upfront about everything. Yeah. I'm going to be really, now I'm going to be curious about this couple, about what's going to happen with them, because I don't get a set. So far, it seems like Melissa doesn't play, mm -hmm. but, but we don't know her that well yet. So I'll be curious to see if she just decides, no, this isn't going to work out for me, um, or if she decides to really forgive him and move forward. Right. Well, I guess, you know, the good thing is, as we saw a couple of episodes back, is that he hasn't fully given up much. So he can easily, you know, go back, you know, to his regular life if she decides that this is not the relationship 
um, that she wants. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And now so let's, let's move on to a couple our we love. Favorite couple. <laughs> <laughs> Both of our, one of our favorite couples, um, Kenneth and Armando. So uh, this episode was really short um, with them, but I thought it was also really, it really gave a snapshot about sort of where they are in their relationship and some of the challenges that, you know, they may continue to have as well. So it opens up there on day two of Kenneth um, being in Mexico and um, they're continuing continuing to explore um, the city together and, um, you know, they're walking around and Kenneth decides that he wants to try to um, hold Armando's hand as they're walking in public. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sort of, you know, pulls away from him. And um, really they both sort of in their diaries talk about, you know, sort of difficulties around um, PDA in Mexico, specifically around uh, concerns about um, homosexuality, homophobia in Mexico. And um, Kenneth really talking about that he is aware that Armando doesn't really do, you know, PDA um, as he'd known, you know, him over the years and when he's come to visit, but also that he expected Armando to be like further along in his willingness to be more open given Mm -hmm. that um, he's now living, you know, in Mexico and that they are starting, you know, a life together. And I think, you know, Armando had some really valid concerns about, you know, one, understanding the dynamics of culture there in Mexico and that, um, you know, it's very um, macho, you know, centric as he sort of talked about. And that he's willing to, that he wants Armando, he wants Kenneth to be willing to give him time, you know, to grow, which I think is um, appropriate, you know, because I think when we talk Mm -hmm. about that, you know, coming out process, that people are in different places. And so you can't expect someone who just recently came out within, you know, months to years to be as comfortable as you are with your um, sexuality, given that you've been out, you know, for, you know, at least 10, you know, 15 years. And so I I thought that, you know, Kenneth was being really difficult and hard on Armando and not giving him a lot of credit with, with, with trying to, to grow. And he talked about, Kenneth talked about how, you know, you shouldn't really care about, you know, people's opinions. And I think that, again, sort of sets into, is an example of where he is in his own sort of comfort with his sexuality. Um, yeah. and, and also just sort of not really having a full understanding about the culture uh, in Mexico. And, and I don't know if he is trying to be open to like understanding, you know, where um, Armando is really coming from with that. But they continue to have a conversation about that. And um, Can know, I say one thing about that that I found, you know, interesting or important to point out too, is that there's also this piece of, if you're approaching this from like an intersectional framework, that, you know, Armando is talking, yes, there's the part about, I want to feel safe, which is highly bad. I want to feel safe. And and I'm concerned about how people might respond to me because this culture may not be as accepting, but then there's also a, uh, he is a member of this culture. And what does that raise for him to have his own culture at times reject him for his sexual Mm. orientation? So I don't, I don't feel like there was maybe an, an appreciation or a thought about kind of where that situates him too, 
not just yeah. about the culture, but about what does it mean to be himself and a member of the culture. So that was just something that stuck out for me. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think it also like goes to what he was saying to Kenneth about, you know, I am, you know, farther along in this process than I may have been because of you. And so like he is growing in terms of his own comfort with, you know, being, you know, Mexican and, um, and accepting his own, you know, sexuality uh, within, within those terms as well. So I think that they're both really struggling to, to, to deal with like the acceptance or rejection, you know, pieces and also be able to continue to sort of grow with their relationship. But I think they had a really good conversation as they mm-hmm. wrapping up their um, episode where they were, you know, they went to this, this huge statue uh, in Mexico um, that was of, of Jesus. And so they were, they were having a, a, a nice discussion at sunset and, and, and again, talking more about um, PDA and concerns about um, homophobia and, and being, you know, harmed um, living in that, you know, community. And then they, they have a, a nice moment where, um, you know, Kenneth asks Armando, does Jesus accept their relationship? And would he kiss him, you know, in front of Jesus? And I thought that was a nice ending um, to some difficult conversations that they have been having that particular day. Yeah. Yeah. I really hope, you know, one of the things that kind of sticks out and keeps being emphasized, and I, I worry about this a little bit, is, you know, I hope that viewers aren't generalizing that all of Mexico is homophobic. Um, because that's almost the way that it's kind of presented that that's just what happens in Mexican culture. And and this is from Armando's perspective, but I, you know, I am, I'm also well aware that there are many places within Mexico that are very LGBT friendly, supportive, affirming, um, Mexico recently banned conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. I saw so I, I think it, I think it's important to also have that narrative because it also gives hope that maybe it's, it's more homophobic in the particular area that they chose to live in and that they could potentially find other more affirming places and spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And also again, that, that piece about, um, his dad and, and sort of where his dad, what his dad's views are on homosexuality. I think that also factors into sort of where he, he is in terms of his own comfort and, and wanting to, again, stay connected to his family um, as well. So we'll see what happens, but I think they are going to have some things to sort of work through. So I think they're going to be an interesting couple to continue to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump to Ariella and Biniam. Ariella and Biniam, they woke up all lovely in a hotel room, snuggled up together, and then we see that they're in the same hotel room as <laughs> Ariella's mom, Miss Janice. So, so they decided to stay in a hotel. Miss Janice got them out of the place in which the apartment that they were living, and the three of them end up going to visit the hospital that Ariella is planning on having her baby. And in the beginning, Ariella is very hesitant. She does not believe that this is going to go well, that, and she had low expectations of what might happen. Again, Janice, Miss Janice is a nurse, mm-hmm. I think of over 30 years or something like that. And I didn't but, realize that her dad was a doctor, but I think I missed it on a previous oh, yeah. episode, but yeah. Yep. Yeah, so 
So they're ready to ask, she was ready to ask questions. And they get to the hospital and at first on the outside, it didn't look to be as much, but they get in and they have a lot of questions and they get answered. Mm -hmm. So it's, and it seems that Janice asks a lot of questions about the resources that they have, what are some of the equipment that they have, the medications, and everything seems satisfactory. She was walking around with a smile. Um, I will say this, every time uh, we have these scenes with Biniam and showing Ethiopia and other Ethiopians, it is so weird for me to hear Amharic on a, it's, it's just a weird uh, thing. You know, it's something, it's so familiar to me, but to, to see it on kind of mainstream U.S. television is just, I've just never had that. I can't think mm -hmm. of an experience or time I've had that. So that's odd. But nonetheless, mom is satisfied with all of those, uh, everything about the hospital. Ariella seems to be relieved. Biniam seems relieved that it's over. And they end up going to have coffee and having a traditional coffee ceremony, which one day, Dr. Turner, you and I will do. I will, I will provide you. I will do a coffee ceremony for you. Okay. We'll have, okay? So, well, I like coffee, so we'll see. Well, fun fact. Do you know where coffee was invented? I do not. I'm Ethiopia. Ethiopia. <laughs> it was invented in Ethiopia. We know something about coffee, right? So, also, it was funny to me. Uh, they pointed out that you serve popcorn with coffee. Mm. I didn't know that people didn't drink or didn't eat popcorn or like this little, it's called double. It's like this little, like, uh, like fried dough crumbs. I thought everybody had that like a little snack with their coffee. I didn't know that it was an Ethiopian thing until I think I was like in high school or something when yeah. I realized. Yeah. So just so you know, if any Ethiopian invites you for coffee, especially a coffee some. you're going to have some, but it's going to take some time. Okay. Just know that. So I will be prepared. <laughs> be prepared. So, you know, Janice is less stressed after the hospital, but she's still stressed because she does not know Binium. And so she mm -hmm. begins to grill Binium. But before you go, before you talk about that, though, I was uh -huh. also like, I don't know if I was thrown off. It, I noticed that she expressed some disappointment that the hospital was actually um, so well kept up and they were so well prepared um it had most of the, the the similar medications and things that you know they would have in the states but she wanted it to be worse so she could be able to like persuade oh, yeah. her to come back so i was like okay now she may be trying to sabotage this relationship just a little bit oh and i think she is trying she knows she just can't do it through the hospital being unfit because the hospital was fine right. but she she grills biniam about his previous relationship which we do want to know more about so she asks him and and biniam his previous wife or ex-wife was uh from the united states and they did have a child together and so she asks about him about their relationship and and she it seems like she's trying to catch him in a lie which it seemed like he was almost caught in a lie he was trying to explain to her that his ex had seen some text or some message on his phone from a girl and thought that he was kind of i guess fooling around and she just left and was gone mm -hmm. and and blocked him which seems like a really serious 
way to end a relationship. So I kind of get where Janice was coming from, that it sounds like there needs to be something else, but it also seemed like there was a communication issue mm-hmm. too. So I'm still yeah. not. And I think, you know, I, as I was watching, I was wondering, you know, did he really cheat or was he just communicating with, you know, someone and she saw it and maybe she didn't know this person and made an assumption that he was cheating. Uh, but I think, again, like you mentioned, because he doesn't understand English as well, you know, even when, when um, Ariella's mom was asking about what happened and, and she she was like, okay, so you did do something. If not, why are you apologizing, you know, for something mm-hmm. that happened? And so I think that that communication thing could have possibly happened. But then I'm also wondering, you know, was his ex-wife also, like, she just didn't want to live in Ethiopia. And so, like, this was her way of getting out by having this, like, you know, you cheated on me, and so I'm going to go back, you know, to the States. So it'll be interesting I, to see what happens and what we find out, if we do find out, you know, what was yeah. the real reason why she left. Yeah, yeah. It, I think that's going to be an important story, just because they're, they, the show seems to be making parallels between that here's here's another uh, American woman who is also pregnant and you know what might be going on there. So I am curious. Um, but in addition to for uh, Ariella's mother being curious about Biniam's ex, she was also curious about how these two were going to live mm-hmm. because they did need a better apartment, according to her. And she raised a good question because Ariella also doesn't know how that's going to happen, which. I don't understand why this wasn't thought of before she came and brought her pregnant self over here, right. that what it's going to be like financially. So I'm a little bit puzzled by that. And I do think that the parents are going to end up helping them. Like, mm-hmm. I think they just have to. But while they're talking about the finances, there was a comment that Janice made that I just felt some kind of way about, and it stuck out to me. She was commenting on how Ariella gave up this privileged life mm-hmm. in order to as though he should be really thankful that she gave up all this life of privilege. And for me, the first thing that pops out is that there's this assumption that privilege or money somehow equates to happiness. And, and also this notion that that's the only way that someone would want to live. Mm-hmm. So kind of placing that value, I, I just found that kind of distasteful to say, like, look at what a good life she had with money and privilege, mm-hmm. and now she's here with you. So yeah. I, I just really didn't like that. No, and I, and I think, you know, part of it seems like that her parents have a certain lifestyle that they've lived and that they want her to live. But I don't know if, if that's the life that Ariella necessarily wanted, which as you've we've sort of seen, you know, glimpses of her life over the course of the show where she's really like, she likes to do the traveling, likes to explore it and doesn't seem to be like caught up so much on like this, like privileged, you know, lifestyle. But obviously like, you know, being financially secure is important. And I think that that's, a, that's something that like, he's really working to try to do what he can to like support you know them as a family and and that he's really trying and obviously like he's not going to be able to like support her at the level that her parents may be able to support given you know their sort of careers and things like that um, mm-hmm. but I, I do think that that is a interesting point that you brought up and and I was also curious about sort of if Ariella had those concerns about you know finances as she later you know talked about but have they communicated you know with each other mm-hmm. 
about these financial concerns. And again, like I think that's the piece about just sort of relationships and you know that openness and and, and finances, intimacy, all of those, you know, honestly, all of those factors are really important to a healthy relationship. And so if they can't talk about those things and work through it, that they are going to have some difficulties. But it seems like from what we've seen so far that they communicate, you know, re- yeah. pretty well with yeah. each other. So I, I'm wondering if that sort of conversation about money has just been avoided because Ariella doesn't want to like bring it up because she seems to like be like a people sort of pleaser type person. And so maybe she doesn't Mm -hmm. want to like frustrate him too much because she seems like she's very aware, like when he's nervous and worried, like she can sense that. And and I I caught that on the ride to the hospital where like he was pretty much uh, really nervous about how her mom was going to react. And I think if she was not there and and concerned, he would not have been as worried about the, the pregnancy and the delivery. Um, at the hospital, but because mom's expectations are so high, like, and he wants to make sure that, you know, Ariel is happy, that he was super nervous about that. Yeah, yeah they're, they're really sweet with each other, like, just very, like, kind-hearted with each other, so yeah. I, I, I really think they're going to work out. I hope they are. I hope, I hope so. I mean, I really do love them as a couple, so I, I think they, out of all the couples, because of their ability to communicate, I think they have a, a much higher chance of success than some of the other couples. Um, so we'll see what happens. Okay. Okay. So let's get to the last couple, which is hey. Brittany and Yazan. So we've seen them over the last couple of episodes. Um, pretty much every episode have <laughs> some type of argument. I think this was probably the first episode that they oh did my gosh, not it was. Um, have an argument. So I thought that that was really, you know, it was a good episode. I, I think that, you know, they they were showing to go meet up with uh, Yazan's uncle, who he talked about last time was almost the voice of reason and able to maybe talk to his dad about, you know, giving them some time to be flexible about getting married in such a hurry. Um, and Brittany expressed, you know, having some still questioning whether it was the right decision for her, you know, to move to Jordan. But they sit down with Yazan's uncle um, at this little restaurant or, or, or a shop, and they begin to talk. And um, basically, Brittany does not um, speak the language, and so she doesn't understand what they're talking about. But Yazan and his uncle are having this really in-depth conversation about mm-hmm. um, sort of what's going on, um, where his dad is in terms of wanting them to get married and uh, and really trying to understand um, where Yazan's uncle sort of feels, um, you know, his dad may be willing to be somewhat flexible. But in the midst of all of that, um, I would say Yazan was doing a really poor job of like translating. What that is, is in on? my notes. He is the worst translator in this whole, <laughs> like this whole she season. She was so lost, and so she was like, "Wait, could you stop for a second? Like, and she she basically asked him, you know, you know, what does your uncle say about wanting to talk with your dad? Is he willing to do that?" And so the uncle basically was like, "You know, he's willing to to talk with him, but uh, but it was highlighted that you know, Yazan's dad, if." if we haven't noticed or those that watch, watch the show haven't noticed, he tends to be very traditional. And that came up again mm-hmm. in the conversation. 
and that he really wants them to, you know, to get married soon. He wants Brittany to convert. And um, basically the uncle was stating that, you know, Brittany has to be prepared to give up, you know, all of her ways if she wants to be in this relationship. And again, going back to Yazan's poor translation skills, <laughs> the uncle even had to stop him to say, like, you need to be honest, like, tell her everything. Tell her like, everything. Basically, <laughs> like, sugarcoated in so many words. Um, but he was willing to at least have that conversation um, and mm -hmm. talk with, with Yazan's dad. And so I'm interested to see um, where this goes and if he's able to get them at least some time so she can learn more about you know, Islam and, and about, you know, living in Jordan to see if that is, if she's willing to be flexible in terms of um, making some really big shifts in, in how she dresses it in, in her, you know, I don't want to say that, in her willingness to um, let Yazan be more in the lead, I guess, and I'm going to stop and see where you're <laughs> I don't know. It's like, what do I, I want to say? I just want you to keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I think one of the things that I appreciated that I noticed was that Yazan didn't just blame or put all of this on Brittany. He actually let his uncle know that Yazan himself needed time. Mm -hmm. that he wasn't sure if this was going to, you know, he wanted to make sure that this was going to actually work out before jumping into it. So I like that he was honest about that. Um, you know, but the, where I'm left with though, at the end of these scenes, and I think it's going to be like this for a while is yes. Oh, she's going to have to change if she ends up being with him he might have to change. They have to figure all this out. Yada, yada, yada. At the end of the day, she's still married. <laughs> so I, I can't even care about this because I'm like, when are you going to tell them you are still married? And what is that going to look like? I can't imagine any of this is going to matter once she says she's married. I, th I feel like that's just going to be it. Yeah. And maybe that's why TLC has decided that they're not going to let her disclose that information. <laughs> <laughs> That's one less couple that is on the show. I don't know. But no, that, that's a really good point. And I know she's talked about trying to move forward with, with figuring out the divorce, but it seems like it's been a really um, sticky situation to try to navigate um, the divorce with her ex. And so it will be interesting to see when she does. I can't wait. I cannot wait because I just, I just want to see how everyone's going to respond to that right so i i am very i mean if they can make it through that they will be able to make it but i i, I really want to see so dr page yes dr turner it's that time in the show yep it's time for the page turner where we share what we're most looking forward to in next week's episode so i know what i'm looking forward to what are you looking forward to all right, it's gonna be a shocking surprise. I am actually looking forward to seeing Tim and Melissa next week. That was my guess. <laughs> <laughs> I know, so I'm why so, are you looking forward to them, by the I, way? I, I know I said they're boring, but I'm actually, and I don't think it's them that I'm excited to see. What I'm really excited to see is uh, Melissa's mother read Tim for trash, <laughs> because I just saw her face 
and saw her say, oh no, this is not gonna happen. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say about this relationship. Okay, yeah, that, that's a good one. So I, I am surprised that that's your, your couple <laughs> that you're looking forward to, but um, mom seems to be like, she's definitely making, she's spicing up their segment yeah. Um, yeah. on the show. Um, I'm looking forward to Jenny and Submit. Um, and uh, mostly because we see a clip of Samit's brother saying that why not take Jenny to meet mom and dad and, and sit down and have a conversation with them. And so I'm curious as to if they are really going to do that um, because I don't know if Submit is really ready to like confront his parents in front of Jenny. And uh, because he may not, let's say, speak up as much for her and and he may um but if he doesn't i i would also be curious about how jenny would react to that if he decides that you know he may side with his parents or may not be as forceful to say that you know i'm going to like i want to be with her regardless of, of where his parents stand so that's what i'm looking forward to yeah that'll be it'll be a it'll be a good one. can you imagine if Jenny and Submit meet the parents this season. I would love that. I, I think it will happen eventually. I just don't know if it's going to happen this soon. But I think I think his brother had a really good point. So I'm excited mm -hmm. to at least see what that conversation um, is like that they have with him next week. All right. Well, we'll be staying tuned. Looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to Psych in Reality with Dr. T and Dr. P. Give us your thoughts. Was it good for you? What other shows would you like to see us recap? Be sure to like us on Facebook and also share the episodes. Thanks for joining us and join us next time on Psych in Reality with Dr. T and Dr. P.